It's time now for the complete story with Rich Bot, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Rich Bot with today's complete story. Folks, today we have some special guests in the studio. I'm excited to tell you about them. Luke Cherry. VP of Development for the Masters University, and Harry Walls, the campus pastor at the Masters University. So welcome, gentlemen, Luke and Harry. Thank you, Rich. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, the Masters University, um, our listeners are going to be very familiar with the Masters University because we air the Grace to You broadcast with Dr. John MacArthur every day. We love his verse-by-verse Bible teaching as we help to get the Word of God into the people of God. And you can't listen to Grace to You very long before John MacArthur talks about the Masters University. So, uh, Luke... Uh, tell us about the Masters University first. Give us an overview, then we want to circle back and find out about about you. Well, no question. Uh, the Masters University has been in existence, as we just spoke about, since 1927. started out as Los Angeles Baptist College, and in 1985, when the Lord called John MacArthur as the president of our university, uh, the name was switched to the, Master, the Masters University to reflect uh, our uh, submission to the the master of our life, our Lord and G- Jesus Christ. So, we've we've seen the school flourish since 1985. John's leadership has been absolutely pinnacle uh, in that regard, and uh, a school that was at that time fledgling uh, with uh, students not understanding the distinctive of LABC with John's recognition on the radio program of Grace to You. All of a sudden. Uh, we've been able to hold serve at the uh, thousand students that we're, about, we're able to handle. So we're seeing some really unique experiences right now in a culture that doesn't necessarily favor who we are, uh, doesn't necessarily favor what we do. Uh, one of the greatest distinctives of who we are is that you'll find our mm-hmm. institution uh, educates underneath the authority of the Bible. And we always say intertwines uh, the scriptures as the uh, very pilot of, of what leads our curricular design. Right, so right. It's, you know what? what's neat, too, is it's where you put the apostrophe. Mm. You know, there's a master's golf tournament, and yeah. that's master's, like, plural. Like, there's exactly. lots of master's. Yeah. In this case, it's master apostrophe S. Yeah, the this owner is, of it all. <laughs> this is dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ, yeah, isn't it, and His Word? Well, we praise the Lord for that. Our greatest stewardship, as John would tell us, is uh, uh, to take the lives of these students and, and bring them into the glory of God's Word and then use that as a vocational tool and a vocational skill that we'll give them alongside. Uh, That's not something we sacrifice in place of uh, giving them the most capable and equipped biblical education uh, that that's out there today, we will equip them with a vocational skill that any assessor would uh, indicate is is just as significant as what we do on the biblical training. Okay, side. now you and and Harry Walls are here because uh, they also have a basketball team, <laughs> and they were here in Kansas City for the NAIA tournament. Uh, it didn't turn out exactly the way we had hoped, but it was great to meet some of these fine young men that are <laughs> that are very very active and involved in sports and athletics, but also committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, again, that's not something we're going to sacrifice, right? Uh, we're going to find the best kids out there, uh, whoever the Lord brings to us. We want to train them again in the best way that we have the capability of doing. And on, on the basketball side, you're right, we have the number one overall ranking for the last few uh, polls of the season and came into the tournament the number one overall seed. Uh, things didn't turn out the way that we wanted to, but uh, on the same token, 
we have a bunch of kids that are just as committed yeah. to getting back to uh, getting back to work and, and coming back next year. That was a great game. Ran into overtime. Uh, now, Harry, you are the campus pastor, so you you get to be involved in the lives of these young men and women in a, in a very direct way, I'm sure. What What is key to keeping the spiritual atmosphere high at the university and especially making sure that it gets into the hearts and lives of the young people? Uh, Rich, I think a combination of things. Number one, you have students that are really mission matched. That is to say they're arriving as uh, followers of Jesus Christ with a desire to grow, not just in their academic achievement and advance, but also in their spiritual life. So it's more of a cooperative kind of a situation with students. Uh, So they're coming, and our focus is discipleship, mentoring, leadership, life on life. Um, We we like to say that we're developing wisdom, um, turning knowledge into wisdom, because knowledge isn't wisdom. Knowledge, we're in the most knowledgeable, perhaps, generation ever, but we lack wisdom. That is the integration of living that knowledge in a skilled way. Uh, And we're focused, as you said, on the spiritual life side Mm -hmm. and the academic side. We're very good at the academics, but we're committed to the spiritual life side. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Right. I I think of, uh, uh, what was his name, Uh, Hawkins, that just passed away, Uh, the the great scientist. Oh, yeah. Hawkins. Pardon me? Richard Hawkins. Richard Hawkins, a famous atheist, scientist, and... uh, Profess to be very, very smart and wise, but but without the knowledge of Jesus, uh, mm. all of that is foolishness, yeah. and uh, it's, it's very, very tragic that he never came to Christ. As far as I know, never came to Christ before he went into eternity. But uh, but the fear of the Lord yeah. is the beginning of knowledge. And, it's the beginning of wisdom. And the distinctive, I think, for us is. From the dorm room to the classroom, from the cafeteria to the basketball court or the soccer field, you have a combination of teachers, resident directors, faculty, staff, administration who are there to partner with the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the young people. So there's an intentionality. It's not just teaching curriculum or having a college or university experience, but to invest in lives. And so chapel does that three days a week, expositional preaching Mm -hmm. uh, focused on Christ under the authority of Scripture, dorm discipleship, relationships with faculty. We have a 10 to 1 ratio. So faculty do know students. They can have lunch with students. I deal with faculty faculty, staff, uh, coaches, they're all committed to more than winning games or academic excellence. You said expositional preaching, and that's one of the hallmarks of John MacArthur's ministry, but there may be some listeners that don't know what you mean by that. Taking the Word of God and exposing it verse by verse, line by line, some have said precept by precept, so you, you teach the Bible Verse by verse, paragraph by paragraph, book by book, let the Bible expose itself. You unfold it, you exegete it, and you illuminate it through the Scripture. Now, you use another word, exegete. Yeah, it means to draw out. Okay. Okay, take take the truth that's written Mm -hmm. and expose and illuminate draw it out so people can see what God said, not what some speaker wants to say. So students there are exposed to the wisdom of God. 
Yeah, and we believe a true education has to be governed by the truth. Mm-hmm. You can know things, and uh, you know the secular community is adversarial to the even concept of truth. And we believe the Bible is the Word of God, the truth. We believe Jesus Christ is the truth. And any education that doesn't include that or is not grounded in that, be tough to call it an education. What a great opportunity for parents to to come alongside, have a school that come along, comes alongside the values of your church, the values that you're trying to integrate into your family and into your young people, and just reinforces that with a top-notch uh, faculty and staff that, that shares those same convictions. Now, let me ask you this. At the beginning of the school year, uh, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of young people maybe that are already involved in church and uh, Christian activities and so forth uh, may not actually be believers in Jesus. Do you have some kind of an evangelistic effort or chapel services that expose people to the gospel? And are there students that come uh, to the Master's University and come to know Jesus as their Savior? Well, one, they profess Christ when they come. We're okay, that's part of the admissions. School. That's, that's part of the admissions you have a process. Personal testimony, a pastoral reference. So, we we are set up to work with born again Christians, uh, young people who possess the Spirit of God in submission to the Word of God. However, just like any community of mm-hmm. believers, there are those who either think they're believers and come to understand they're not. Or they come because parents want them to come. They get an athletic scholarship or some other kind of thing that uh, attracts them. And they know they're not a Christian. And they come to hear the gospel. They come to experience the life of Christ on campus through the proclaimed word. We, We preach the gospel through the word of God. And we reveal Christ through the scriptures and in the classroom and in the dorm. It's, it's, it's not one focal point. It's global. Hmm. Coaches focusing on their athletes, resident directors and RAs focusing on their student residents, faculty on their uh, students, and then staff focused on all of them. Now, an, an, one unfortunate thing about the Masters University is that it's in Southern California where they have that perfect weather all year long. Now, I love living in the Midwest where we have four seasons, but out there in Southern California where you are, it's just pleasant all the time. Is that, is that correct? Is that, is, does that get to be a burden? 184 <laughs> perfect days, number one in the nation, 80 to 60 degrees, low humidity. Uh, it's That's a, a and fact. it's a beautiful yeah. campus. Uh, we mentioned sports a little bit earlier, um, uh, the, the basketball team in particular, but man alive, you have a, a fantastic baseball facility and program and uh, other kinds of sports. Tell us about that, if you would, for a minute, Luke. Yeah, we have... Uh, nine programs that we really invest our resources into, uh, included, inclusive of baseball, which you uh, just identified, which we've had over 40 draft picks in oh, the, the last... The reason I mentioned that is because the field that I saw was just incredible. Not only was it beautiful, but it was high-tech. Yeah, it, it, we, we, we replaced the uh, high-tech turf. It's, it's as uh, high-end as you're going to get at any minor league baseball park. Many of the scouts that come to our little uh, baseball facility would say this is as high of degree that as we'll find at any of our minor league stadiums. So uh, that's also reflective of the quality of the program. But you could walk onto our campus and ask any young student, ask any alum, ask any uh, friend of our university about the baseball program. The first thing they'll tell you, the most unique thing about it, you're right, we've had 40 draft picks. You're right, we have scouts that constantly are out there looking at our kids. And one of the unique things of being in Southern California is accessibility uh, to that level of uh professional development 
But at the same time, uh, you ask any of those people about our baseball program, the first thing they'll tell you is you got a coach that is focused on one thing, discipleship. And the re- reflection of that is you watch the young student-athletes that have left that program, and you see them serving first in their church, serving their families well, having a vocation that uh, takes care of their family, and they understand the responsibilities given by the Scriptures of providing, supplying, uh, giving leadership to a home. Uh, and doing everything they can to honor the Lord throughout their life because they've seen it modeled. And we would call that our highest distinctive of any athletic program. It was a wonderful program. Now, one of, one of the other aspects of this course, being in California, uh, there's a lot of political correctness uh, through your uh, state government and so forth. But, but Master's College uh, is determined to keep... Uh, there, there's their Christian standards high and and biblical convictions and so forth. Even if it means uh, uh, facing some headwinds and difficulty, they're standing true to the Bible. Yeah, we we face a lot of things out there, uh, and, and the, we, we don't spend all of our life thinking about how we're going to navigate that because we have the one resource that's revealed that we have a we have complete clarity of how we're going to operate underneath that level of pressure. So, the result of that becomes. Whatever headwind comes our way, we know that that's a uh, providence of the Lord. We'll face it as it comes uh, our way, but uh, in in the same token, we're going to uh, accept not only what we're what we've been given that's laid down to us from the highest degrees of government, because we understand that the Bible also calls us to submit to that. But in the same way, being strategic, uh, finding. Uh, the necessary uh, strategies to put in place to, to help guard and safeguard uh, the, the very distinctives of our school, understanding how resourcing uh, kind of complements that, and allowing, as long as our school has the possibility of living underneath the authority of the Bible, proclaiming its truth, and putting out students as a stewardship into the world, that uh, people don't come to us as a destination, but they go through us. So throughout those four years of being educated, uh, they'll find the glories of Christ, and and we just pray as we release them into the world that they'll reflect that same desire uh, Mm -hmm. in their lives. Now, Luke, are you a graduate of Masters University? You know, that may be the most unfortunate thing. I'm not a graduate... I'm not a graduate of the university, but uh, it has the nearest and dearest place to my heart because I've seen Christian education done in the most unique way. How did you come to master's? Uh, I was involved right out of graduate school. I had a friend who was in uh, one of the graduate programs at the uh, university. We have a seminary that's attached to it. And so uh, the seminary being attached to it, uh, he was enrolled there and had attended Grace Community Church. And he said, listen... If you give two That's years John of MacArthur's your life, church. if you give two years of your life to listening to John MacArthur preach, and at that time I wasn't real familiar with John MacArthur's ministry, he said it'll change your life. I've never heard a guy explain the Bible like this, so I said, uh, "Yeah, it's in Southern California. I'm out of grad school. What else? What do I have to lose?" And at the same time, got involved with the university, and uh, had never seen education done in such a unique model. That, that it's attached to the church with a ministry surrounding it, with the radio arm of Grace to You and its programming, uh, the, the high end of its graduate programs. Mm-hmm. And then you just take the assessment of the university that outside assessors aren't qualifying it as a mid-range academic experience. We talk about the unique spiritual experience, which is second to none. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, you look at the National Association of Schools of Music, which is accredited our music program at its highest degree. That's the same accreditation you'll find at Juilliard, UCLA, USC. 
Uh, you look at the 10-year accreditation that was just given to our school in 2008, and we're up for reaccreditation this year. Only 12% of schools received that. You see okay. our business school ranked number one in the state of California for accounting graduates. So you, so you came to Master's University after you'd already graduated, but how did you come to Christ? You know, I was, Were you raised in a Christian home? I was. I was adopted uh, out of uh, Ecuador, a, a missionary oh. family uh, who had come from the United States down to uh, the Indian provinces of uh, Were they involved with, with HCJB at all? Well, they, they, there was a sub-attachment to that, but they were with a missions agency called uh, OMS, okay. which was out of Greenwood, Indiana. I, was, I went to uh, Quito, Ecuador one time yeah. to, to visit HCJB, mm. this wonderful worldwide uh, yep. Christian missionary radio association. Well, it's, 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 a, it's a wonderful ministry uh, that... that promotes and proclaims the, the, what's going on down there and other areas of the world. So a remarkable ministry. But, but so anyway, I, I interrupted you. So Yeah, my, my parents were called to mission work down there to teach sustainable agriculture. I come from a little farming community in northwest Ohio, and, and my dad was down there to teach uh, the Indian folks how to grow strawberries and potatoes at high elevations. You know, there's different things that you have to do with the soil, different things you have to do with attracting the sunlight up there at, at, at high mountain elevations. And they had three children and desired to adopt a fourth. And so, as the Lord would have it, I was born to a single mother who was uh, in Quito, Ecuador, uh, Mm -hmm. in the hospital, said, I can't take this kid home. And some of their dear friends from a place called Alliance Academy up there in Quito, Ecuador, called them. And this isn't modern day. This is 1980. And and in 1980 in America, it was much like 1940 uh, in America, if you would think about how the operations and the technology was operating in Quito, Ecuador, and where they were out in the mountain provinces. So they called the one phone that existed in in their town. And the man, the operator, has to run to go get my dad. Fifteen minutes later, my dad runs back to the one phone, and they said, we have a kid. He said, we didn't know the gender. We didn't know what problems you had. They just said, come quickly. So they drove nine hours overnight over the mountains, uh, showed up in the morning, picked me up, and the, the greatest act of grace outside of salvation the Lord's ever shown in my life. And it was through that that I came to know Christ. My parents uh, spent their life uh, plugging into those people, investing into those people, investing into their children. Uh, they would adopt three more children uh, later on in life to make our family of eight kids. And uh, the, the most wonderful experience of growing up and understanding sacrificial uh, living in many ways, to our foster kids in our home as well as the adopted ones. So it was the, the, the dearest thing that my parents could have ever done and moved us back to Ohio for an education. And through that is how I got connected to the Master's University. That's a beautiful story. I love the these adoption stories because it's a, such a wonderful picture of how we oh. are adopted into God's forever family. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, grafted it's, in. It's the most unique thing, you know, and nothing we deserve. It's the ultimate picture of grace. Uh, nothing I could have done to make myself any more attractive. They had no idea whom, the same way the Lord looks upon his children with the ultimate uh, face and the ultimate uh, hand of kindness uh, to reach out and, and choose us. It's the most remarkable thing. Folks, this is a wonderful visit. Uh, I'm enjoying it very much with Luke Cherry and Harry Walls from the Masters University out there in Southern California. And uh, Harry, uh, you are the campus pastor and the director of church relations. As you travel the country and talk to churches, what are you seeing in churches? And how is Masters preparing young men and women to serve in churches? Yeah, I think that that, uh, Rich is 
a significant distinctive. We see ourselves as the establisher of convictions. The We take convictions that parents and pastors and churches have sown into the life of a child, young person. They come to us, and as opposed to undermining those convictions, we seek to establish those convictions mm -hmm. and then send those young people back into the marketplace, back into their churches, back into their homes with a maturity and a wisdom to not only live those convictions, but to promote those convictions of the Word of God, the Son of God, the truth of God. Isn't there a statistic that like 50% of Christian young people lose their faith when they go away to college? I, I think it's a good bit higher than that. I think the statistic is, is much higher than that in terms of 18 to 24-year-olds who walk away. But that should surprise nobody, because if you send your young person into an environment that's adversarial to the right. truth... Especially when they're supposed to be learning. Yeah. It's, it's like, go there mm. to learn, but don't learn what they're trying to teach you. Yeah, you have a person with letters behind their name with perceived credibility undermining what investors have put into the life and heart or the mind of those children, and they're 18 years old. And they're in a culture, especially if it's a secular university, that's not only adversarial to truth, but the lifestyle is attractive for living things that undermine truth and enslave in terms of lifestyle and life quality. So it's a big get. So the predictable outcome would be if you send a young person into that environment, the predictable outcome is not very positive. So young people walk. So as you talk to pastors, uh, are they receptive to this message? Well, certainly they are. Certainly they are. Because I would think so. the most valuable possession any parent has and any church has is their young people. And so they're the future. They're the legacy of both that ministry and the future of the kingdom of God. So entrusting them to places where the truth is taught where Christ is, is lived out, and they can be encouraged. I, I tell parents all the time, this is the most significant sanctifying, which means help your child grow up in the truth and become like Christ's season they will ever have. They will never have more intentional partners to promote Christ in their life than they'll have in these next four years. Now, how long have you been involved with Grace Community Church? Well, I, uh, I served as a pastor. Uh, well, first of all, I was the first dean of men when John became the president of the Master's Wait, College. Back to the 1980s? 1985 to 88, I was privileged to come and serve as the dean of men. Well, when I went to school, the dean of men administered discipline. Yeah, and sometimes that's required. Yes. <laughs> but that's not why dean of men serve where we, okay. we minister. They want to do more than discipline. Matter of fact, that's probably the least attractive aspect of that role. It's more about shepherding young people through difficult places. And that's another uniqueness. But, but discipline is necessary and helpful to one's growth. Well, un, undeniably. Uh, and it's not maybe, maybe the right way to say it is it's biblical discipline. Mm, yes. Yeah, it's the kind of discipline that's not just punitive, but it's designed. It, to be transform, yeah, instructive, teach, instruct. So that's the focal point. And uh, one of the distinctives of our university is it's not legalistic. The rules are there to promote community and uh, to advance a Christ-like culture, mm -hmm. but it's not legalistic in the sense we're not heaven. They're not perfect. They're going to fall short. They're going to stumble. They're going to sin. And uh, we have the opportunity to work them and walk them through those places of difficulty so that it's not a see-you-go-home experience. It's actually let's grow. Let's learn from this. Let's adjust and change so we can be the kind of young man and woman that uh, we really want to be and need to be. Well, tell me, how did you come to Christ? 
I had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home. So, uh, And it is a wonderful privilege, isn't it? It is. I, I had a mom and dad who not only uh, spoke about it, carried us to church, but lived it. I had grandparents that spoke about it and lived it. So I enjoyed an undeniable privilege of living in an environment where the truth was validated. Six years old, uh, outdoor camp meeting, southern New Jersey, an evangelist from North Carolina shared the gospel, and I went forward to the altar, gave my life to Christ, and uh, followed him ever since. And I had support systems from the beginning, gave me a new heart, a new life, and uh, I've had the privilege of following him for a long time. Well, did you grow up in Southern California? I did not. I grew up in Southern New Jersey. Well, that's different. Yeah, quite a <laughs> bit different. The weather's not perfect. <laughs> and uh, But I grew up in uh, the south part of New Jersey, which is farmland, often rural. It's the Garden State. Yes. That's the garden spot of the Garden State. So I grew up there and then went to school in New England and then to Liberty. Wonderful. So, th- but you came, were, did you come to uh, Masters in uh, ni- the 1980s then? Yeah, 85, I, I was finishing seminary. I was a campus pastor at Liberty University oh, where I finished okay. my education. And uh, John needed uh, student leadership staff. I was I have uh, to say, pretty that's familiar. another school that we love as well. Yeah, yeah, so I came west because John was the best Bible teacher I knew alive, and anybody who studies in ministry who loves the Bible appreciates what he does, and I wanted to learn mm-hmm. from him. My goal was not to be a college administrator but to be a pastor. So I came out, served three years as the dean of men as we were architecting student life and transitioning, and I went back to Alabama to serve as a pastor for 27. So you were a pastor for 27 I was, yeah. Where in Alabama? Birmingham. Okay. My goodness. What a... What a mm. Did you see the movie Woodlawn? Yeah. That, the, the man that was that chaplain was my youth pastor when I first got there. And that man that was the chaplain is the Irwin's Yeah. Hank dad. Irwin and John and his brothers. So they... they <laughs> They, they made a film out of the story that their yeah. dad told them about as they were kids yeah. growing up, yeah. about that revival yeah. that took a place about 1977, 1978. Yeah, that's right. Oh, man. If you haven't seen that, folks, see the movie Woodlawn. Uh, it talks about the revival that took place back in those days. And you know what? We're praying for a Great Awakening-style revival. We just pray that that would sweep across our land once again. And I've heard that every major revival is preceded by a movement of prayer. And that's in that movie, too, as you see the young people gathering in the gymnasium in clusters in a, in a, in a, in a school-wide prayer meeting. Yeah. Uh, we need to be on our knees and praying that God mm-hmm. would, would send revival and that God would use us in the process. Do people at the, the Master's University, they, do they learn how to share their faith and win their friends to Jesus? Oh, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. They not only learn the truth, but they learn how to live it and share it. And also that prayer component. We have a day of prayer for our, our classes shut down. We, uh, we spend a day uh, together, voluntary. It's not required, but the room is full, packed with young people, and spend a day in prayer learning the the beauty, the joy, and the privilege of uh, intersecting with God in prayer. Well, we're running out of time. If people want more information about the Master's University, give, give the website uh, or a phone number. Uh, how can people find out more? Masters.edu, or they can just Google the Master's University, uh, and that'll be the best gateway 
to uh, connect with us. And there is also something called the Shepherds Conference for pastors. In about 30 seconds, tell us about the Shepherds Conference. Well, Grace Community Church, the seminary, uh, invite pastors from all over the world. We just had 3,600 on our campus and others connected online. Uh, Every year there's a focus, matchless messages, uh, expositional messages on the Word of God. This year's Mm -hmm. focus was, I will build my church. It was about the, the life of the church, the priorities of the church, the approach. Okay, and that's coming up again next year? Is it in March, typically? Typically it is, the beginning of March. It's online. You can find that Shepherds Conference. Is is there a a separate website for that? Yeah, you can type the Shepherds Conference. You can just Google that in, and it will uh, take you there. All right. Well, we're out of time. Luke Cherry, thank you for being with us. Thank you so uh, much. I'm glad you have your voice back again, and uh, thank you for sharing your testimony and thank telling you, us about the Masters University. And, and Harry Walls, thank you also for Rich, being with us. You. And I hope to see you again next year for the NAIA tournament, and uh, maybe when it goes into overtime, it'll be a different outcome this year. <laughs> we, hope, we all hope we so. We want to stay out of overtime. We just want <laughs> to right. finish it in Go for the win. Time, yeah. God bless you guys. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Rich. Thank you, Rich.